was the Grinch. Not only have they stolen Christmas, but they replaced it with something terrible. They replaced it with shopping. Amen? <laughs> Y'all are lying. <laughs> how many, how many, I got to know. How many people got out in the, the Black Friday mess? <laughs> Amen. Go ahead. Raise it up high like you're proud of it. Amen. Good for you. Good for you. Oh, my goodness. Who was it that began this tradition of giving gifts? Of course, we know that it was the wise men, the magi that came from the east that began this tradition of giving gifts at Christmas. And that being the case, let's read together this narrative about uh, the three wise men as it's come to be known. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the word of God says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem troubled with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus God says by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Did y'all hear that? They presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Christmas. A wonderful time of year. A wonderful time for giving gifts. And I believe that giving gifts is a wonderful way to express your love and appreciation for other people. But if we're not careful, we will end up in the same place where America is today. Christmas seems to be all about the giving and nothing about the birthday. 
It seems to be all about the giving and nothing about the birthday of Jesus Christ. I think that we need to start taking heed to what Joshua said in chapter 24, verse 15, where he said, As for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will give gifts to the Lord. Is that what he said? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Tells you what kind of gift God wants from you, doesn't it? We will serve the Lord. Joshua didn't say anything about shopping for presents, did he? Absolutely not. He said that he and his entire household would serve the Lord. More than they wanted presents, they wanted God's presence. Amen? Talking about giving gifts, I read about one married couple who just could not get along. One Christmas, the wife gave her husband a burial plot for Christmas. He was a little bit stunned, to say the least, but he didn't say anything about it. And then the next Christmas rolls around, and she didn't get him anything. Well, he had about enough of that, and so he confronted her with it and said, uh, I was quite hurt that you didn't get me anything. And she said, well, why should I get you anything this year when you didn't use the gift I gave you last year? <laughs> Amen. To be honest, every one of us likes to get gifts, don't we? Come on. We like to get gifts. But this is partially why Christmas has turned into one gigantic selling spree. It's because we all like getting gifts. But what do you think pleased the Lord the most? Do you think it was the gifts that the wise men brought? Or do you think that it was the worship the wise men gave? I think you're right. But friend, let us know that there is nothing wrong with giving gifts at Christmas. I think that the desire to give shows a very Christian heart. But as we buy things for others, not only should we use common sense about our budget and our credit cards, but we should also stay focused on the real meaning of Christmas and all that that real meaning means to you and I as individual people. You know what? If you were to take or go in and ask every soldier in Afghanistan what they wanted for Christmas, I bet you they could give you a list of things they wanted a mile long. Would you agree with that? No. They don't want any things. You know what the soldier in Afghanistan would want? All they want is to be home. All they want to be is with their parents. All they want to be is with their wife. All they want to be is with their husband, their family, their children. That's all they want. All they want to be is in the presence of those they love. Amen. wonder what would happen if you asked the same question to the thousands, the thousands of children who are in orphanages. What do you want for Christmas? What about the thousands of children who have been abandoned this year alone? What do you want for Christmas? I'm sure they'd want the same gift. They just want a real home. They just want to be a part of a family that loves them. 
We can give many things to our family members this Christmas, but none of those things will ever come close to the love you can provide just by spending a little time with them. You see, your presence, friend, is the best possible gift you could ever give someone. It's the gift of love. It's the gift of self. That's why I think that God loves it when you're here on Sunday. Sure, you could sit in front of the TV and watch somebody preach a lot better than what you're getting today. But God feels your love when you say, you know what? This is God's day. And I'm going to get my tail up out of bed. It's awful warm in there. It's cozy. But I'm going to get up out of bed. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to look pretty. I'm going to smell good. Amen. And I'm going to go show my love to God by my presence. That's why God wants you here. And that's not only just for me, because you encourage me when you're here. But I know that God experiences your love when you come. So I want to begin this morning by suggesting the most important gifts that you can give your family and friends this Christmas. Let me begin by telling you, I think number one is, the first gift you ought to give them is to share the Lord with them. Share your Lord with them. I mean, can we at least just read the Christmas story before we open our gifts? Is that too much to ask? Just to, to read what the scripture says about this celebration that we call Christmas? Is the problem that we offend somebody in the family? Yeah, we offend somebody, all right. You know who we offend? We offend Jesus. Let us not offend the Lord by being so materially minded that we're spiritually absent. Let us worship the Lord. When Jesus looks at the way that most people celebrate Christmas, I wonder if he feels somewhat forgotten. How come they haven't invited me into their celebration? Why am I absent? You know, we have all the trappings of a celebration. We put up a beautifully tall Christmas tree this year. It's got glimmering lights on it. It's got some garland, and it's going to have a bunch of ornaments shortly, as soon as Janet gets finished with it. It's got going to have beautifully wrapped gifts under it. We're going to be hearing a lot of beautifully sung Christmas songs. We have all those trappings, but where is Jesus? Where does he fit into our celebration? Would you agree that we need to be focused on him, not us? This ain't about you. This whole thing that we call Christmas, it's not about us. It's all about him. And we're supposed to be joyously celebrating the presence of of God, that the Word came down in flesh and dwelt among us. We're to celebrate that presence. 
not just the presence under the tree, but the presence of Jesus in our lives. Think this. Our schools no longer celebrate a Christmas break. They celebrate a winter break. You can take Christ out of Christmas, but you can't take holy out of holiday. Amen? It's still the same. Nativity scenes are banned on government premises. They're scared. They're scared they're going to offend somebody. The post office has a stamp celebrating the birth of Christ, but they're not permitted to call it such. They're only permitted to call it a religious stamp. I think that you and I ought to make it very clear that as Christians, we believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that we ought to make it incredibly clear that we believe in Jesus Christ. And if that offends somebody, we're sorry it offends somebody, but that's not going to change the way I worship. And I'm not planning on not worshiping that way. This is about Jesus. This ain't about me. I'm not sorry that I worship the Lord. And I don't plan on not worshiping the Lord. Let us make it perfectly clear this year what the reason for this season is. To celebrate the birth of God's Son, Jesus the Christ. Of all the presents you give your kids, of all the presents you buy for your family, there will be none so great that it would be any better than you sharing the presence of Jesus, the presence of God in their life. From the very beginning, God gives this command to believers. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down, when you're walking the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. You shall write them on the gates of your house. Make sure you're celebrating the birth of the Son. Let us make sure that our friends and family, because I can't be responsible for all your friends and family. You can't be responsible for mine. But you can be responsible for your friends, for your family, in celebrating the true meaning of Christmas. Celebrate the birth of Christ, not a race to see who can buy the most. Share the word of God with them this Christmas, not the word of the world. Share with them about how Jesus came to literally sacrifice himself for them. Why? Because he loves them. Tell them that. Because see, friend, the cradle without the cross means nothing. The birth of Christ without the death of Christ means nothing. And don't even stop there. Share with them what happened after the cemetery. After the cemetery. The, the Christmas story does not end with the birth of Christ, nor does it end with the cross of Christ. 
because our leader arose from the grave and ascended to heaven where he's seated today at the right hand of God and there he will always shall be. Let us share that. Friend, listen to me. People need to hear that. I didn't say they want to hear that. I'm telling you, they need, say need. They need to hear that. They need to hear that. So this Christmas, give your loved ones a gift that always keeps on giving. The most important gift of all. In the most loving way you can. Share your Lord with them. But I have another challenge for you. Another gift you can give your family. And that is share your love with them. Honestly speaking. If you were to ask a young child what he wants most for Christmas, a new bicycle, or one hour with mom and dad playing in the living room floor, which one would the child say? Come on, let's be honest. You know kids like I know kids. Which one? They're going to want the new bicycle. But, which one will mean more to their lives? Mm Mm-hmm. 20 years down the road, they will hardly remember the bicycle. But they will always remember that one hour spent with mom and dad in the living room floor playing with that child until the day they die. Sadly, one of my most memorable Christmases was when I was a boy in Orange Park, Florida. And on that Christmas morning, my stepdad got real angry. He got real angry on Christmas morning. And because he was so angry, he decided it was time to clean out the attic on Christmas morning. He angrily began to pull stuff down out of the attic. And all I remember that Christmas was even though dad was mad, I wanted to spend time with him. Even though he was so angry, all I wanted was to receive his approval. I wasn't thinking about the gifts or the stockings or playing. All I wanted was to be in my stepdad's presence. And so on Christmas morning, I helped my stepdad clean out the attic. In 1 John 3, 18, the word of God says, My little children, I love when God tells me that. My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. There's another story of a family that went to see Grandma for Christmas. And the little boy and his little sister were told to be very sure to wipe their feet because Grandma just got brand new carpet. So when they got there, the kids did just like they were told and wiped their feet real good. And soon Grandma gave them a glass of Kool-Aid. Any of you who have ever participated in CIA know that red Kool-Aid is a recipe for disaster. I challenged our CIA children, spill another one, go ahead, I don't care, spill another one. Anyway, 
the little boy and the little girl have a cold glass of red Kool-Aid. And sure enough, they made their way to the living room where promptly the little boy dropped his red Kool-Aid. Immediately, he began to bend down and use the shirt tail of his shirt to try to clean it up. But it wasn't coming off that beige carpet. He tried to clean it up, but he couldn't. And so he began to cry. And grandmother came in and she put her arms around him and she said, that's okay, honey, don't cry. Grandma will get you another glass of Kool-Aid. Grandma could care less about that beige carpet. That's how you show love to somebody. Did y'all hear me? That's how you show love to somebody. You, you care about them by trying to identify with what they're really going through and make it easier on them. By caring enough to sacrifice something that has value to you. And by sacrificing it willingly, just like your Savior did on a cross like that one. Friend, most people, they will not pay attention to the Lord by themselves. It's going to take a sacrifice from you. Think about this. It seems that everyone that I know who is a Christian never brought themselves to that point. Everyone that I know who is a Christian was brought to that point by somebody who cared for them. They were brought to that point by somebody who led them to Jesus and sacrificed their time, their concern, and their compassion to do so. This Christmas, I want to challenge you to care enough about someone to show your love and your Lord to someone. Here's the last one for you this morning. The best gift you can give to any of your friends and family is to share your faith with them. I know that you're probably sitting there and you're thinking, man, there ain't no way I could share with somebody about the birth of Jesus, much less the cross of Jesus. Am I right? Come on. But I'm going to tell you this, and this might surprise you, but just because you are sitting here today, you have picked up more than 95% of America. You know more than what 95% of America knows about Jesus. Just because you sit here week in and week out. Let me tell you about this. If you take all the churches in America today and you pack them to capacity, you will have about 5% of America's population. 5% of America's population will be in those churches. Is that sad or what, first of all? But how much do you think that other 95% know about Jesus and the way to eternal life. Pretty much little to nothing. So what does that mean? That means 
you have information they need. You've got information that most people do not have. Every one of us knows of people or families that are on the verge of being broken or on the verge of being crushed under the burdens that they can't deal with. Those people need you. Those people need the information that you have. They need to know about Jesus. Not just from some storybook, but they need to know from a person who has really experienced what this Christianity thing is all about. They've experienced the forgiveness of sin. They've experienced a fruitful walk with Jesus. They've experienced a relationship with God that comes through faith in Christ. They need that. And you got it. Now, the only decision that needs to be made is, is do you care enough about somebody to share that information that you have? You don't have to look very far to find somebody that doesn't know. Do you care enough? If you do, I want to challenge you to lead by illustration. Is this true or false? Kids will do everything you tell them to. <laughs> that didn't take long. Kids will not do everything you say. However, they will eventually do everything you do. They will eventually do everything you do. What's the point? As children begin to grow, as they begin to mature, they will start following your example. They'll start doing it more and more. You may not even recognize it. But they're going to start following your example and doing what you are doing. So, should you go to church every Sunday with your family? Well, you may not want to come to church and listen to that loudmouth preacher all the time. But your family needs you to. Your family needs you to. For the, the sake of your family, you need to. You need it as much as they need it. Do you pray? For your family. Does your family see that you're praying for the family? Shouldn't they? So Janet and I were talking about just yesterday. We want to pray more. Not only just us together. Not only as us individually. We want to pray more with our family. Shouldn't we? Not only lead by example. But lead by instruction. It just might be worthwhile for you to tell your friends they need church too. Key word, they need it. They need church too. It's plain and simple. They need to go. They need what you have. And you'll be surprised at what you see several months down the, down the road when they start doing what you told them they ought to be doing all along. By instruction.
But friend, you got to say it like you mean it. You got to say it with conviction. You got to say it from experience. So we have to lead by illustration and we have to lead by instruction, but we also ought to lead by intercession. What is intercession? Intercession simply is when you pray to God for somebody else. We ought to be praying for other people. Would you agree with that? We ought to be praying for others. When you bring up another person before God so that he might help them, that's intercession. So when was the last time you brought up an individual member of your family's name before the Lord and asked him to help them with something specific that was going on in their life? Don't answer the question. You know the answer. If it was some, it needs to be more. If it was none, it needs to be some. Amen? We need to be praying for our families individually, individual circumstances, individual environments they find themselves in. We need to be praying for our family. When's the last time you cared about a friend enough to really pray? To really pray and ask God to help your friend. Let us lead by illustration and instruction, but also by intercession. Back in the 1930s during the Great Depression, a couple had one child. The son was six years old, and the six-year-old boy went to his dad one Christmas year and, and asked his dad if he was going to get anything for Christmas. And the father had to explain to his son that there was not enough money to have Christmas this year. The father told the boy that instead of buying each other presents, what they were going to do instead is they were going to draw pictures of the presents they wanted to give instead. That would be their Christmas. It was a very busy week as everybody was busy drawing pictures, drawing presents of what they were going to give to other family members. And then on Christmas morning, they all assembled together under a skimpy branch of a, of a big plant they called a Christmas tree. And the mother gave the father a beautiful picture of a shiny red speedboat. Oh man, he was loving it. The father gave the mother a picture of a beautiful diamond necklace. Man, she loved it. Mother and father gave their son a picture of a wagon and bicycles and all kinds of other toys, and he loved it. And then it came the turn for the boy to give his parents the picture. And the boy gave his parents a picture with two letters on it. U.S. It was a picture of all three of them in a group hug. He gave them a picture of us. Don't you know that that Christmas was the most memorable Christmas they ever had? They knew what the true meaning of Christmas was. And they shared it with one another. I know that Christmas time can be an awful hard time for many of us. So many demands, so many demands on our finances, 
so many demands on our time. But I'm reminded of the lady who had been out on Black Friday shopping. She was frazzled to the hilt, and she came up and she pushed the door to this elevator and waited in that department store. After a full day's shopping, she was tired, she was frazzled. Finally, the elevator door opens up, and the elevator is slam-packed full of people. So she squeezes in there, and she says, whoever started this whole Christmas thing ought to be hung. And from the back of the elevator, a voice came out that said, it's okay, lady, he already was. Don't lose your focus. Because Christmas is not about presents for you. It's about the presence of Jesus. And I pray that this year is going to be different for you. I pray that this year it's going to be different for you. So this year, I want to encourage you to go ahead. Shop. Wrap your gifts. Give the gifts. But listen here. Don't do it by taking your focus off of Jesus. Keep on shopping, keep on giving gifts, but do so without forsaking your Savior. Do you know the gift that God gave you for Christmas? Paul wrote about it in Ephesians chapter 2. When he said, but God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith in Him. And that not of yourselves, get this, it's a gift of God. Have you received the gift of God? During this invitation song, this decision song, you're going to have that opportunity to give your life to Christ. To know that when your days on earth are done, your days in heaven will begin. For if you don't, put your faith in the Christ. In the only means God made for us to be in a relationship with Him, we're still going to be in our sins, and there's no way for us to be in the presence of God. I pray your decision today will honor and bless the Lord, and I'll make this promise to you. You will be blessed far more then God will be blessed by you coming. Let me pray.